Um, the title of today's message is The God Who Provides. Let's just read the title together, guys. The God Who, who Provides. Uh, you're actually um, quoting one of the titles of God. One of the titles of God. The God Who Provides. Um, when we started uh, feeding people, I remember it was always a stretch. Every time we had uh, boxes and boxes become more expensive, because supplies become more expensive. And it's always been a stretch like, gosh, we need 300 boxes sponsored this year. It's like, wow, how can we do? I mean, every year it feels like that. And every year we recognize God provides. Um, typically, when you start a relationship out with God, if you don't have much of a relationship with God, it typically involves saying, God, I need you to do something for me. So we go to God and we say, God, I need you to give me a job, or God, I need, I need money, or God, I want you to heal me, or if you're, maybe if you're single and you're looking, God, I want a man, or God, I want a woman, and God, I want a house, God, I want a car, and you tell God, this is what I need you to do for me. That's kind of how we started. And that's also typical of where you're at spiritually. As you grow in your walk with God, eventually you get to this place where you're like, God, what is your will? And I want to do your will. Where are you working, God? And I want to be in the middle of where you're working, God. Eventually you say, not my will, but your will be done. That's where you land if you stay with it. Eventually, you get to that place where you learn the joy of dying to yourself. That's eventually, that's where, that's where it goes. And it's a rich, rich, rich place. But I want to give you a title. The, the titles to, to God are many. In fact, it's, it's been said there's well over a thousand titles of God and well over 200 titles of Jesus, but some titles of God. It's one God. These are not multiple gods. It's one God. Uh, compassionate and gracious God, consuming fire, deliverer, everlasting father, mighty counselor, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of heaven and the earth, the jealous God, the holy one, the judge of all the earth. And then one of the other titles has to do with this idea of the God who provides. I want to share with you a story in Genesis chapter 22. Here's where you see it for the first time in the Bible. It's mentioned here. Um, you need to know, Abraham is a Jewish man, a Hebrew man, that God said, pulled out and said, I want you, I'm going to, I'm going to use you to create a, a nation. And, and, and Abraham because the, becomes the father of faith, becomes the father of the nation of Israel. And you read about his story, and God makes this covenant between, between Abraham and God. And God says, I'm going to make this covenant with you, and you're going to walk with me. And he agrees to walk with him, and he says, look at the stars in the sky. You're going to have more descendants than the stars of the sky. Look at the sands on the seashore. You're going to have more descendants than the sands on the sea." And there's this incredible promise that God gives Abraham and the relationship there. with it. Now, before, before this nation is birthed, Abraham and Sarah have one son. Anybody remember his name? His name was... Isaac. They named Isaac, Abraham and Sarah. And this is the promised son right here. But in Genesis chapter 22, God asked Abraham to do a ridiculous thing with his promise. Here it is. Here it is. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. 
uh, turn to the person next to you and just tell them it was a test. When you say that, just say it was a test. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only, say, your only son with me, your only son. Thank you for, I appreciate you guys helping me out here. Uh, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. And then interesting, he said, take your only son whom you love. Like, what do you love, or who do you love the most? Sacrifice him, there is a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. That's right, God of Israel said, sacrifice him on a mountain. That doesn't make any sense. Why would a loving God ask him to do that? Really, only pagan gods did that. The God of Molech did that. And now the God of Abraham is saying, go sacrifice your son. That doesn't make any sense at all. Sacrifice your only son. Um, verse, verse 3 says this, early the next morning, Abraham got up. I always stop right there at verse 3 because I think, I mean, it says so much about Abraham's faith in God. Early the next morning. I mean, if there was a day for Abraham to sleep in a little bit, I think this would be it. If there was a day for you to drag your feet, this would be the drag your feet morning. But it's early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he, uh, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Interesting that Abraham is saying we. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. <coughs> Excuse me. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? So we do not know, Bible scholars do not know the age of Isaac, but what we do know is Isaac, 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 Lord help me, Isaac, Isaac, that's a new word, Isaac is old enough to like look around and go, where's the burnt offering? So he can calculate a little bit. He can assess the situation. He understands what they're doing. And he doesn't under, he's like, where's, where's this burnt offering? It's a really good question. And verse 8 says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide. Let's say that together. God himself will provide. You just said Jehovah Jireh. That's what you just said. God himself will provide. Now keep in mind, at this point in this dialogue, they haven't gotten to the, to the place where they're going to do the burnt offering. They are on their way. They're in the middle of their journey. They're climbing up this mountain. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. 
Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. It's a good time to take a sip. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know, say now I know with me, now I know, that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Wow. God just wanted to know if he was first, if he was really first. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. Well, how did it get there? He went over and, and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, let's read it out loud, the Lord will provide. One more time, let's do it, everybody, come on. The Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Wow. The Lord will provide. So you have this, um, this scene of Abraham taking his son Isaac, and they're on this mountain, and I, you know, I can't imagine how Sarah felt in this whole thing, waiting behind. But Abraham is taking his son Isaac, and they're, and they're on this way. And I just want you to understand something. Um, Abraham does not know how this is going to play out, but he does have faith that even if his son was to lose his life, God was able to bring it back. But he doesn't know what's going on. He's acting in obedience to God. This is a test. God wants to know if Abraham trusts God. And, and so Abraham is on this, on this journey, and Abraham calls this place the Lord will provide. Literally, it means Jehovah Jireh. I remember when I, when I came to know Jesus right around the age of 18, there were some old songs about Jehovah Jireh. There's still some out there. Great songs about Jehovah Jireh. Someone in the first servant had a hoodie that said Jireh. I thought that was so cool. Um, it, it means the Lord has seen. Now, when, when, when God or Abraham tells his son, the Lord will provide, that's Jehovah Jireh. Um, the first time you see this title given that belongs to God, and it's in the Bible in Genesis 22. But when, when Abraham says that to his son, they're on their way. And I decided to do a word study on what does Jehovah Jireh mean? What does the Lord will provide actually mean? And the word provide literally means here to see ahead or to see beforehand. To see ahead or to see beforehand. So when Abraham, as with Isaac, and Isaac says, hey, where's the offering? And Abraham tells him, the Lord will provide. He's saying, Isaac, I, I don't know, but God is going before us. The Lord sees ahead of us. The Lord is in the future. He, he's preparing something in the future that I don't see yet. He's gone before, and he sees ahead, and we're trusting God. Abraham didn't know. So let me just let me just tell you what this means to us. What the Lord will provide means to you. When when this is what the Lord provides means to you. Here it is. God sees your future needs and he's already making provisions for you. 
some of you didn't hear that. God sees your future needs. He knows your needs that you'll have in the future. You don't know what they are. You haven't even started praying for them. God knows your future needs. And he is already preparing to provide for you glory to God. <clears throat> Let's just get this out of, out of the bag. I think most of us think, oh, here's my need. I need more money. And that's not your need. That is not your need. If your head is in this world, that's what you think is your need. That is not your need. You need Jesus first and foremost. But God sees your future needs. He's answering a prayer that you haven't even prayed yet. He loves you. He sees your future need, and he cares about you, and he's already making provisions for you, and you haven't even gotten there. Now, think about it this way. Think about it this way, because I want you to really kind of understand this a little bit. I'm thinking about my, my good friend, Wallace White. I've talked about him. He's a missionary that really impacted my life. And I thought about how God provides, and he goes, meets your future needs, and you don't even know what your future needs are. Um, Wallace White um, and his wife, Mona, they were close friends with Grace and I. And when I was going through school in Colorado Springs, we would spend time at their house, like, a lot. They were missionaries in Papua New Guinea. One of the first missionaries in Papua New Guinea. And uh, when they were missionaries there in Papua New Guinea, um, oh, and Papua New Guineans, they are black as black as black can get, Papua New Guineans. Have you ever seen Papua New Guineans? They are black, 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 black. And Wallace and Mona White were white, 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 white. I mean, they just stood out. <laughs> but they loved them. They loved them. They were amazing missionaries there. And, uh, and they have a son. I can't believe I remember their names. Their son's name is Steve. And he was just a, he was like a, you know, probably sixth grade or something like that when they, was, they were missionaries over there, their son. So their son developed a relationship with a Papua New Guinea kid named Granger. And so Granger would be over their house all the time. And Granger would be part of the family and, you know, be there for, for dinner and for lunch and hanging out. And they would be playing or whatever it was. And, and they just developed this beautiful relationship. And Wallace and Mona just loved people. So they didn't care what color of skin you were. They were just, just loved people. They loved the local church. And, and they just loved like that. Well, Wallace and Mona did all that. And then when they got older, these two young men, these boys, grew up. And, uh, you know, their son ends up becoming a pilot for United Airlines and does really well and still is to this day a uh, pilot for United Airlines and this other young his buddy that was that was you know that fifth grader that 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 Papua New Guinea that super black Papua New Guinea Granger super cool guy I've met his wife and and uh, and and he ends up becoming a pilot for this for this little place known as Dubai. So today, he's a pilot for Dubai, and he flies around one of the biggest aircrafts in the world, and that's what he flies. So as they both uh, become more successful, um, guess who needs a place to live? Uh, Mom and dad, Wallace and Mona White. And now it's been 20 years or whatever, and now they need a place to live. And you know what, what, what Granger and Steve said? Hey, we're going to go into this together. 
and they bought five acres of a wooded five acres in Monument, Colorado, and put a 5,000 square foot home there and said, you guys live there and you don't pay one penny and we'll take care of everything. Wow. This is going to take a little bit of work, but I think you'll get it by the end of the sermon. I think we'll, we'll, get, well, we'll, land, we'll be there together eventually. You have a God who provides. God knows your future needs. You don't know your future needs. But God sees your future needs, and he will provide for you, and he's going to take care of you in a way that you never imagined. You think it's money. You think it's a relationship. You think it's something else. But it's God who knows your needs. God knows your needs better than you know your needs. Now think about this. When Abraham, put that picture up again, Ezra. When Abraham was going up with Isaac on that mountain, there's unknowns on this side of the mountain, aren't there? There's unknowns. Like we're, gonna, we're going up, to, God wants me to sacrifice, you know, and... Where's the sacrifice? I don't know, but we'll come back. Just unknowns. And God is, or Abraham's acting out by, by faith. You know what's happening on the other side of the mountain? God is stirring the heart of this beast, this ram. And he's leading this ram. I don't know how he's doing that. I don't know if it's like through, you know, chomping on grass, you know, all the way up to the top. And how in the world does this ram get caught up in this thicket with its horns and he can't pull out? And he's just waiting up there. So while Abraham is on this side with Isaac, going up on this side of the mountain, and, and, and young Isaac says, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. On the other side of the mountain, God is working. You hear that? When you're on this side of the mountain and you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I feel like I should be doing this. I'm acting in obedience and I don't see anything happening. I want you to know God is working on the other side of your mountain. God is doing something you can't see, but you have to stay faithful. You have to persevere. You have to walk by faith because you will see it one day, but God is moving on the other side of the mountain. Lord Jesus, help me. I'm trying to fan this, get this fire started right now. Lord, I got some wet wood in the house. Lord, help me. Let me ask you a bigger question. Would God have provided a ram if Abraham stayed at the foot of the mountain? Let me say it like this. There are certain provisions that God has for you that could only be unlocked by your obedience to God. There are certain provisions God has for you. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is the same story as we just read in Genesis 22. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. <clears throat> Pretty simple. Plant a few seeds, you'll get a, a, few, a few crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You plant a bunch of seeds, you'll get a bunch of crop. Uh, verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves, for God loves a person who gives 
cheerfully, which literally means hilariously. Verse 8, and God will generously, there he is, provide, Jehovah Jireh, all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. And verse 10 says, For God is the one who provides, Jehovah Jireh. He's the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So this story is saying if the farmer planted only a few seeds because they wanted to hold on to as many of their seeds as possible, they were concerned about not having enough seed. So if they said, we're just going to hold on, I'm going to hold on to the seed because I don't know if there's enough for me. What would happen is they would have a barn full of seed. But the farmer who actually plants the seed by faith will have, at harvest time, they will have more grain in their barn than the one who held on to their seed. The story behind this whole thing is the same story. God is the provider. You need to understand that. God is the provider. Jehovah Jireh. There's nobody like him. God provides. And let me say this too. When God provides, it's so much better than anything anyone else can give. When God provides... When he provides, when you pray about something and God gives it to you, and when it's from the hand of God, it is so much better than anything else. I mean, let me do all, all the single women in the house. If you want a guy, let me just you pray to God, and it, God giving you a man is going to be way better than knowing that man from a friend or a family member or Tinder or whatever it is. It's way better coming from the hand of God. Man, single man, if you want a woman, oh man, you just pray to God. And when God gives you a woman from his hand, she is so much better. Incidentally, single people, you want to find someone who loves God more than you. You want to find someone who loves God more than you. That job, if you want to look for a job, you know what? Finding, letting God give you a job is from the hand of God, that is way better than a job that you can find on your own. It's way better than creating a spreadsheet of pros and cons of which three jobs you should look at and which ones you should take and, and measuring pros and cons and looking at all the benefits and making sure you can work at home and all those other things. You know what? A job from the hand of God is better than any job you could find on your own. All right, I'm, I'm from... I'm trying here. Lord Jesus, help me. I'm trying. Does anybody get what I'm saying? A gift from the hand of God is better than anything you can get on your own. It's better than any boss, anything you can buy. Coming from the hand of God is way better. Thank you, Jesus. It's way better. It's way better. Because what we do is we look at things from a human perspective, and we have our list of pros and cons and things. And we might even look at this and say, oh, 
this one looks so much better. But when God gives you something and you look at you may you don't know the full story, but God knows this right here is going to bless you. This right here, it may not look like much, but it's going to be used for a great purpose. You got to remember, we judge things by the outside appearance. That's why David wasn't number one. That's why he wasn't a first round pick. That's why his dad didn't look at him and say, you're king material. He was shepherd material. And that's why everybody else overlooked him. But God said, no, 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 no. This is the man right here that's going to become a great name in the nation of Israel. When God blesses you, when he's the provider, and you recognize this came from the hand of God, it's a game changer. Your God is the God who provides. He is the provider. Let me ask you this question, because some of you, I believe, there have been things that God has provided for you, and I don't want you to forget them. So I'm going to ask you this. Hasn't God provided much in your life? Hasn't God provided much in your life? Thank you, Lord. I mean, you're right now, you're, you have breath in your lungs. God is the giver of breath. Hasn't he provided much? You have, uh, let's just get this straight. The job that you have right now, who gave you that job? The resources you have, who gave you those resources? Who gave you that opportunity? Who gave you that good mind that you have? Who gave you that opportunity? Who's the giver behind all of this? It's God. God is the provider. So don't ever fall in love with the gift and put the provider in the back seat. You hear that? Don't ever worship the gift. Don't ever worship the answer to prayer and you forget about the provider. I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, you know, pastor, would you pray for me? I'm looking for a new job and I pray for them. And I say, man, that comes straight from the hand of God. Yeah, you bet, pastor. I'm going to be honoring God with this one. I'm going to give God my tithe off of this one. I'm so grateful. Well, praise the Lord. Then you do that. And you just wait for a few weeks, months, years, and they stop completely giving. But they're still enjoying the answer to that prayer. Don't forget who is your provider. Don't forget who gives you strength. Don't forget who is your God. God is your provider. And King David understood this in First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles chapter 29, he's collecting money to uh, build a temple, and that actually his son Solomon builds. But David is collecting the money in First Chronicles 29. And David says something that's so insightful. He says, he says to God, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to live as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. David says, everything we're giving to you, God, let me get this straight, God, you actually gave it to us. And now what we're doing is we're giving it back to you. I don't think we're giving, I think we're returning because you see that different shift in that mentality? He understands God is the provider. And he understands everything I have in my life is from God. And anything I give, I, you cannot outgive God. He is the giver of all. For God so loved the world that he 
gave. That he gave. And, and, and David understands this. He's like, okay, I know we're, we're collecting all of this and it's so great. To, I, 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 we're just kind of returning to God what he's already given to us. I think that's what's happening here. Uh, and then, then I, think about, uh, I think about this. I think about Elijah. Elijah was this great prophet of God. And he was in the middle of a drought. And God provided for him in a beautiful way. First Kings chapter 17 says, uh, God tells him, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Isn't that crazy? It's Uber Eats with wings right here. <laughs> and God uses these dirty birds, actually. In Leviticus, they're considered unclean animals. And, and which tells us, again, God can use anything he wants to. He can use that pagan, you know, foul mouth boss that doesn't care about anyone for his glory. God can use anything, anyone he wants to. And God uses birds, ravens, and says, okay, I'm going to have command these birds to bring you food every morning and every night. doesn't even make sense. I mean, I'm guessing 90% of us are like, mm, I'm not sure about this one. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? He is Jehovah Jireh. He can do anything he wants to. That's why when the Israelites were in the wilderness in the middle of the heat and they were complaining because there was a lack of water, God said, well, there's a rock. What are you complaining about? And he made water come out of a rock because he's Jehovah Jireh. He can do anything he wants to. He is the God who provides. And let me just go out on a limb and tell you right now, I don't believe God has ever been nervous because of your lack of resources. I don't think your lack of resources has ever made God nervous or lose sleep. He is Jehovah Jireh. He can do anything he wants. He provides in beautiful ways. I bet if I gave the mic to all of you, somebody here would have a story about how God provided in a way that was so unique and so special. And you knew, what are the chances? What are the chances? I'm thinking about that elderly woman, that elderly man who needed certain kind of equipment to live with, and they couldn't find it anywhere. And they just happened to find the exact type and model on Facebook marketplace for a steal and it just happened to be available and it just happened to be two blocks from their house. Somebody tell me that's how God works. God does things that don't make any sense and he's Jehovah Jireh. He provides over and over and over again. God provides in different ways. Matthew chapter 6 Jesus says this. So don't worry about these things saying what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Don't worry. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, don't worry. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, 
But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. 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 He knows your future needs that you do not know of right now. He is a loving God. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And Jesus is saying, look, if you understand that he is Jehovah Jireh, if you understand that he knows all your needs, then why do you worry? What are you worried about? You know what's more important to me, guys, than anything else? And, and it's just knowing God's with me. That's it. How about you? What's more important to you? How about, how about this? Is, 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 what's more important? Do you, do you have to have a certain amount of money? Is that what's more important to you? Having a certain job with a certain amount of money, and then you'll be a Christian and walk by faith? Come on now, you got it backwards. I'm talking about the source of the source of the source of the source of the source. The, I'm talking about Jehovah Jireh. I'm not talking about putting your faith in a boss or a company. I'm talking about putting your faith in Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, the one who will never let you down, the one who will never walk out on you, the one who knows your future, the one who you never have to worry about will close their doors, the one you never have to worry about office politics, the one you never have to worry about the economy, you never have to worry about what ifs, because he's God, he's Jehovah Jireh, and because he's my God, I don't have to worry about anything. As long as he's with me, I know he's going to take care of me. He's the God who provides. He's the God who provides breath. Doesn't that feel good? He's the God who provides healing. He's the God who provides rest. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. He's the God who provides rest. He's the God who provides direction. He's the God who provides opportunities and doors. I'll tell you what, I'd rather wait on God and wait for him to give me something from his hand than to go around knocking on a hundred doors to see which one will open. A waste of energy. And he's also the God who provides a way out. Paul said, no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, here he is, he will also, Jehovah Jireh, provide a way out so that you can endure it. He's the God who provides. He's the God who provides redemption. He's the God who provides mercy. He's the God who provides forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful 
and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness unrighteousness and that beautiful he provides forgiveness and he doesn't only forgive but he can also make you pure spiritually pure he can make you holy he is the god who provides over and over and over again your greatest need is not money your greatest need is jesus your greatest need is the presence of god your greatest need is the forgiveness of god your greatest need is the fellowship of his spirit he is your greatest need this week i'm blown away i I, i'm just blown away as i walk with god and as i experience jehovah jireh i am there's nothing more valuable for me than the presence of God in my life. There's nothing more valuable than me. There's no dollar amount that's more valuable than that for me in my life, guys. Nothing more valuable than the presence of God. My treasure is wrapped up in Jesus. My treasure is wrapped up in Jehovah Jireh. This week, we had people here and there was food all over this room and we had people you know putting boxes together and I had one meeting somebody wanted to meet with me and and they're going through some tough stuff so I I went ahead and um, I said all right I I was starting to feel a little under the weather at the time thank you Lord I haven't even drank my tea I was starting to feel a little under the under the weather and they said would you meet with me and I said yeah I'll meet with you so I went ahead and met with this person and this person tells me the problems they're going through in their life and I'm listening to them, and the Lord just put it on my heart to ask them this question. I said, have you, uh, have you ever invited Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? Have you ever said that prayer? And, and they told me, um, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm a Catholic. I was a, I'm, I'm a Catholic. I said, okay, that's great. So have you ever invited Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? Oh, you don't understand. I grew up Catholic. I grew up Catholic and my family's Catholic. Yeah, we're, we're all Catholic. So that's great. So have you ever invited Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? And he stopped and he said, no, not like that. I said, would you let me say a prayer for you? Because all this, you can work on problems in your life, but if you don't start at the core, if you don't let God change your heart, you're just working on symptoms, brother. You got to go to the root. You got to make sure this is right with God first. I said, would you let me pray with you? And he goes, yeah, yeah, he was desperate. And I said, all right, well, let's do this right. And I was a little under the weather, so I said, you kneel down over there. We're in my office. So he kneels down over there, and I, I go kneel down over here. I said, all right, you kneel down over there. I'll kneel down over here. And he says, all right. I said, I'm going to say this prayer, and I'm just going to say these words, but you make them your words. And he said, all right. And I said, all right, let's just bow our heads. And I said, dear Jesus. And he goes, dear Jesus. And I said, right now, I turn to you. And he says, right now, I turn to you. And I say, I need you, Jesus. And he goes, I need you, Jesus. And then I say, forgive me for my sins. And then there's silence. And I'm like, forgive me for my sins. And the brother's not saying anything. And I'm like, forgive me for my sins. And you know what he's doing? He's weeping. He's just weeping. You know, you hear me, men? He's weeping. His tears are all over my chairs. He's weeping. And I just stop. 
I just, he, he said it in his heart before he said it in his mouth. And I'm waiting for him. And eventually, after literally a few minutes of weeping, then he says, forgive me for my sins. Ooh, it was real. I finished praying with him. And he gets up and gives me a hug. He didn't care. I was starting to feel under the weather. He gives me a hug and he thanks me. And he tells me, I feel so different. And I want you to know, Jesus is still changing lives. Jesus is still changing lives. Jesus is still changing lives. And there's no life that Jesus can't change. And for those of you who've been in the church since the days of Moses, don't close your heart or your mind thinking God is done with you because God is not done working and transforming you. God is not done transforming your mind and your heart to be more like Jesus. God is not done transforming you and God wants to use you. So don't think this is a message for someone else. God loves you and God is still transforming you. Glory to God. Jesus is in the business of changing lives and transforming lives. I'm going to share this with you. I have not shared it all in church. When I left this morning, this morning, the first service, I was walking out. I was walking out. Nobody knows this yet. I was walking out. And as I opened up the door to leave, I took one step and there was someone standing over here. And I saw them on the corner of my eye and immediately the spirit of the Lord told me I'm calling him that's what the Lord told me I'm calling him I'm calling him so I, I turned around and I just kind of glanced at him and the Lord just told me just the Lord speaks quick right and then I, I kept walking I took about four steps and all I hear is pastor 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 and he's chasing me He's a young man, he's 18 years old. And he says, I just want you to know something. Last night, something really weird happened to me. I was praying and then I was talking to someone and God started speaking to me and told me to share my faith with him. And I don't know where it came and I always thought I would be a teacher, but I don't, I'm not a very good teacher. But all of a sudden, I feel like I have this need to tell other people about Jesus. <sighs> is still changing lives and he's still calling people to serve him he's still calling people to serve him and I told him brother I God just told me when I opened up that door that he has a calling on your life and he goes yeah well let me just tell you I'm gonna and he kept talking I said no 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 stop you're not listening to me God just told me that he has a calling on your life I want you to know God is moving. Can't you see him? God is moving. He's redeeming the world. He is Jehovah Jireh. Glory to God. I want to close with one thing. God provides encouragement. Have you ever been uh, hurt? Hurt to the point where you're like, I don't ever want to go through that again. Hurt. Oh, have you ever been discouraged? So discouraged that you think, I'm never going to try that again. I mean, let, I want to be, I'm going to throw some pearls at your feet right now. Because God just provided encouragement to me last week. Last week I wasn't here. I was preaching in Colorado.
Colorado Springs um, at another church. <coughs> Excuse me. So by the grace of God, um, God gives me opportunities to preach. Normally, I'm not, I don't have a tea with me, and I'm all like, you know, <laughs> normally it's still a little different energy. So forgive me for my lower energy today. But, but God provides opportunities for me to preach, and, and I'm always grateful. Um, but one of these times, one of my speaking engagements was out of state, and um, it didn't go as, as well as I hoped it would go, and I didn't feel like I connected. And to be honest with you, I, I walked away, and uh, I was discouraged. I was really discouraged. In fact, when I was at that place, I was like, I want to get to the airport as quickly as I can. It was that kind of experience. I was like, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to get to the airport. I want to, I want to get back to Colorado. I want to get back to Thorn Creek. I don't know what this was about, but it was, it was tough. And there were people who said, you know, God moved in, you know, kind of thing. And I appreciate that. But, you know, you just never know what if it was like really true like there was this guy i'm not gonna tell you who it was but there was someone who used to attend thorn creek many years ago and no joke every time i got on stage before i even started the sermon the dude would fall asleep every single time i would just see him you know just go out and then at the end of the sermon like towards the end he'd wake up and we'd sing the last song and then in the hall he would give me like a wink and he would say hey pastor great message he'd do like that with me every single sunday and i would look at him and i'd say that's great. It was hard for me. I wanted to throw him a pillow every time I started the sermon because he just, like, maybe he was working through some sort of sleep thing where he just fell asleep. But it was like all the time the guy would just fall asleep. It was just, so when people tell me, I, you know, I understand. They say it was a good message and I appreciate it and I receive it. But sometimes you know, I go back to my brother and what that happened. But anyway, so, uh, so that's what I experienced, a tough experience at this place. And I want to get to the airport. I was so discouraged. So this last, last, uh, last weekend, I'm preaching in Colorado Springs, and it's a church. It's a pretty special church. They're all churches are all special, but this one is uh, the people are unique. It's a Samoan church. Anybody familiar with the Samoan people? Samoan people are beautiful people. You know, you run it, they're, they're in the islands of Hawaii and other places, and uh, they're dark chocolate like me, and and I just love them to death, and and uh, very very loving people, and. And uh, they're, they, uh, they're the guys who yell and do the, you know, all that stuff. But on Saturday, Grace and I go down there, and they're celebrating their 10-year anniversary, which is a big deal. And most churches don't make past five years. 50 to 80% of churches die at five years. So this church has gone up to 10, and they wanted me to come and encourage them. So I was completely honored that this, this, uh, they would want me to go down there. So all these Samoan churches come from across Colorado to this place in Colorado Springs and I'm at the service. So, but it started off on Saturday. They basically had a luau for us. There were hundreds of people and they performed dances for all these islands and different types of dances and 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 I mean there's just really a lot of fun in the culture and you know they, they would and if you like the dance people would come from the audience and they would come and throw money at whoever's dancing or if the woman is dancing and, and her you know, they're all dressed up they throw money at her or and just to show appreciation I leaned over to the pastor I'm like bro you need to take up offering like this every weekend that's what he did he just laughed at me but uh they, they come up to me and, and they have no idea that I need encouragement. They have no idea that I have like 
PTSD from my last begin engagement. They have no idea that I'm questioning stuff. They have no idea that I'm doubting stuff. Such I'm throwing pearls down to you guys right now. They have no idea. They have no idea. And then someone comes and they give they give me an envelope. I'm like, oh, that's nice. And then Grace has it, and she opens it up, and she shows me it's, it's money. And then there's other pastors that are around the table, and they give envelopes to each pastor. All have money in them. And then my pastor friend leans over, and he says, he says, brother, in the Samoan culture, we honor our pastors. It's what we do in the Samoan culture. They're first to eat before they, I mean, before they started eating, they came and they tapped me on the shoulder. They said, Pastor, we're waiting on you because everyone else is hungry. I'm like, okay. I wasn't used to that. And I, I, I said, all right. So I went ahead and, and, and we all got, you know, we got money. And I thought, well, this is gracious. I wasn't doing this thing for any money. That's never my heart. Um, a lot of times people give us a, or give me an offering just to say thank you for preaching. And I'm grateful for that, but that's not my motivation. I do it because I feel God wants me to do it. Um, anyway, so so that happens on that Saturday. We go through like nine islands and it's like a four hour thing. And there's two pigs they cook underground. And I mean, it's all kinds of food and all that stuff. And when it's done, <coughs> On Saturday night, I'm at the hotel, and I'm tossing and turning throughout the night. And you know what I'm telling God? God, I pray this is a different experience from my last one. I still remember it. I want to do a good job for you, Lord. That was just a rough experience. I want to do it, but I have this PTSD about my last experience, and I tossed and turned in bed, knowing that I'm preaching in their church the next morning I'm being so vulnerable with you guys right now I hope you appreciate it so then I I, uh, I, I showed up to their service and that's been my prayer and, I, and I'm there and, and they are grateful that I'm there and all that and we're sitting in the front row and there's another pastor and they say before we get started we want Pastor Reuben and Grace to come up and they brought this other pastor up too so we go up forward and say, we just want you guys to know how much we appreciate you, Pastor. We want you to know we appreciate you. Thank you for allowing your church, Thorn Creek Church, to come over here and bless us and, and bring the word. And then they all gave us a lay, you know, like you did in Hawaii when you go to Hawaii. They all, we all got a, a lay, all three of us. Grace got one, I got one, and this other pastor. And they put it around my neck. And, uh, and I was like, oh, well, thank you. And they gave me a hug, and they applauded. And I'm like, well, I'm, 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 I'm grateful to be here. I'm so grateful. And, and we sit down, and Grace is like, do you want to take that off while you preach? And I'm like, no way. I'm going to keep this thing on while I preach. This is so cool. So I went ahead, and then I preached my heart out. I wasn't sick. I was letting it out. You know, I had all the energy in the tank, and I was just blown and going and just on fire, you know, all that side of me. And I was just going, and I was sweating like crazy. And uh, the Lord moved. They were so interactive and yelling and applauding and standing I mean during, I mean they were just really into the message the whole thing and it was done and I was like okay well Lord I, I just felt like you blessed it I, I can feel it when the Spirit of God takes a hold of me and I, I just felt it that was one of those times the Spirit of God took a hold of me and I felt it and I was grateful and I was like thank you Lord thank you I just needed that because my last experience was not that God and I needed encouragement and and I felt like God was saying I'm not done encouraging you yet 
And then this woman goes up and says, hey, we want to just show appreciation to Pastor. Wasn't that an amazing message? And just kept on saying, Pastor Ruben, in this message, and thank you. I mean, it was becoming a bit uncomfortable because they would do it like 10 times. They just kept talking about how God used, and everybody kept applauding, and then God used this message. Everybody kept applauding, and I was like, well, that's great. We can move on in the service. It's okay. It's like, and, and they just kept doing it. And then, then, then he says, then this, this woman has this, this offering plate and says, we, want, we just want to show you tangibly how much we appreciate you and how much God loves you. And if you want to give, can you come forward and give? And hundreds of people came forward to drop some sort of offering, a love offering that they were going to give to me. I, I get checks like if I speak, and I'm always grateful for that. But I've never experienced that. And I was sitting down like on this stage left and, and, and people were coming, hundreds of people coming. And then I leaned over to, I'm like, I'm like in tears, sobbing, in tears, sobbing. And I turned to Grace and I said, God knows how to encourage a soul. I was so overwhelmed. Some of you, I know you, this doesn't mean anything to you, but it meant a whole lot to me. When you need encouragement in your soul, God knows how to encourage a soul. Better than a word from your wife, a word from your husband, a word from your friend, a word from your parent. God knows how to encourage a soul. He knows how to speak to a soul. And they blessed us, and I was so humbled by that. And then they brought like three or four people walking with them with, with like styrofoam and platters this high, carrying it to us. And they said, where's the keys to your car? Took a train of people to take food. I mean, they like... I could have fed the entire church. I'm just telling you. I'm throwing crazy. I think about all this, and they wanted to put it in the car. And then they come and give a basket from Neaters of bread for Grace with all this, all this, I don't know, just frilly stuff. But it looked really pretty. And they give it to her. And then I, 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 I sat, I got in the car, and Grace said, I feel like I'm drunk. Now, we don't drink. She doesn't drink. She never has drank and and it's okay but we were drunk from the love of the church from the love that it was just just drunk from that we thought like we we're getting thrusted into the real world now <laughs> but i shared that private story with you to let you know god knows what you need and he is jehovah jireh and he is the one who provides for you. So don't look for a man to provide for you what God can provide for you. Don't look for a woman to provide for you what God can provide for you. Don't look for a job to provide for you what God can provide for you. He is the provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. All you need is God. I love the words of David. The Lord is my shepherd. simple he's all you need he's Jehovah Jireh the Lord is my shepherd God thank you for your grace thank you God for your presence if you're ready to turn to Jesus would you say Jesus I ask you to come into my heart
I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I want to become a Christian right now. If you, uh, if you need God, Jehovah Jireh, to provide for you, would you just say, God, you know my needs. And I ask you to provide for me, God. And I know it's not money. I need you to provide mercy. I need you to provide your presence. I need you to provide your comfort. I need you to provide peace. I need you to provide your favor. I need you to provide... your will, your purpose. And maybe you need to say this, God forgive me. I have focused more. I have focused more on things that I could provide for myself. I have focused more on my own reasoning and my own logic and my own conditions. I have focused more on my own resources but today I want to get back to the basics and I just want to say Jesus I need you I know you're the bread of life so Jesus I choose you thank you Lord for your presence thank you Holy Spirit for being here and thank you for carrying me to preach thank you in Jesus name amen